0: Well, welcome everyone to our next episode of Opening Up Chaplaincy. My name is Joe Mutlow. I'm a humanist uh, practitioner from Bradford.
1: And I'm Stig Graham, Anglican priest and hospice and palliative care chaplain. And I'm based down in the Midlands.
0: And we've got today with us uh, another special guest. I'm so excited by our guest, Stig. We just get such gems of people and the feedback we get from people saying how much they've learned from our guests yeah, is yeah. really encouraging,
1: isn't yeah. it? So we've got and, James- and I was just going to say, Jamie is up against competition because we've had some really positive comments about Amajan and his last uh, uh, podcast and people actually getting in touch and saying it's really changed how they, they think and understand these things. And that mm. wasn't just chaplains, you know, that's, that was sort of clinicians, if you like. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: So Jamie comes to us, she, she volunteers currently at the chaplaincy team at one of the Merseyside Mental Health Trusts, but she's what I call a sideways person coming in. So she brings okay. in a lot of other skills. She's a counsellor, she's a Hakomi practitioner and has a wealth of life experience that she brings into... Uh, Jamie, we say chaplaincy, but we mean the bro- broadest sense, so that includes yeah. pastoral and spiritual care. Yeah. Um, she's Jamie's currently studying uh, for a PhD... In a really interesting topic, which is why we thought it would be useful to talk with her today about the bodily experience of spiritual trauma or spiritual pain. And what I love about Jamie's research is she's working collaboratively with people. So they're finding out how they express that trauma in different media and different ways. So, welcome Jamie to our podcast. Thank you.
2: Uh, it's great to be here. I just really appreciate the opportunity to to chat to you both. And yeah, maybe something of what I say could help someone somewhere along the line, which would be great.
0: I'm absolutely sure. And I think probably a useful place to start would be to find out how you describe spiritual trauma.
2: Yeah. And the, 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 like with everything, there's lots of definitions out there. And um, the one that I've used particularly for, for this research is from uh pat ogden who actually was part of the hakomi community and and is still part involved as well uh, so it feels like it has its roots in something that i'm trained in um and she describes it as any experience that's stressful enough to leave us feeling helpless frightened overwhelmed or profoundly unsafe so i'm, I'm using that as a definition of trauma and saying i want to look at trauma within a spiritual or religious context or a cult context uh, so it's, it's quite broad and it's yeah. difficult to pin down exactly what what i mean um and and that is part of my exploration with my research too for sure yeah.
1: and is that actually I, an extension of you know we, we've often it's been picked up in recent years the idea of moral trauma but that seems to be a much more specific definition uh, if, if you like that is part of spiritual trauma uh, so it sounds as if your definition enables us to sort of really spread that and look at different aspects.
2: Yeah I, I think the the key for me because I, I could talk about moral trauma as well that feels very relevant particularly given what we've been through with COVID and the yeah. positions people have been put in to, to make decisions that really yeah. go against their their experiences, their values. Um, I, I guess what, what's important for me is the, the context in which the trauma happens. Um, so that that place of being in a a space where people have entrusted perhaps some sort of their spiritual care or some sort of their, their beliefs to uh, someone who's guiding them maybe or um who who had some kind of pastoral oversight for for them. In their spiritual care so yeah it's it's probably the context that's very relevant in in what i'm looking at um and how that's impacted their their bodies because I'm, I'm coming at it from a position of seeing the whole of someone so their their body mind emotions and their spirit if they have ideas about that um obviously some people when they go through something that they would call a spiritual trauma, it leaves them in a place where they don't then want to engage with anything spiritual. Um, so yeah, that that could potentially be part of it.
0: I just see what you said there being very permanent. You know, I like in acute care. So you meet people actually at the moment of spiritual trauma sometimes Mm -hmm. in terms of you know a diagnosis or a a change of circumstances or a death or whatever but you also meet people who have that spiritual trauma in their past Mm. which becomes the focus of the conversation or the um sort of bit they can't get over in terms of moving on and I think that though that comes across very much in acute care.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm.
2: And and it feels really important that people have opportunities to, to explore that in, in some way. And for mm. some, that that would be with uh, a religious or spiritual other, for others, that would be with a non-religious other. Um, and that accompaniment, that being able to be alongside someone who's, particularly if they're in the middle of that trauma, like Mm -hmm. feels so important and Mm -hmm. and I think that's the thing with with trauma is you know you identified there Joe, that for some people they're actually going through it and with trauma what we know is that how it impacts our our bodies is that actually we're reliving often aspects of that history so it it might have been something that chronologically happened in the past but for people particularly where there's that ongoing re-experience and and flashbacks Mm. and things like that. It's happening for them now still, Mm. um, which is just horrendous for
1: people. Mm. Mm. Again, that diversity, because I I, I was just thinking, you know, you're talking about the sort of the physical way that which our bodies respond to these things. And part Mm. of me is just sort of wondering again, in terms of the nuance, at what point do we, um, look at the, the psychology, the, uh, emotional response. Um, I mean, one of the things that used to occasionally happen to me, thank goodness, not very often, but, um, it, I sometimes wasn't able to be completely in control and I would have a whole series of people, one after the other, just offloading, dumping stuff on me yeah. and I was fine and I was fine. And then all of a sudden I would reach a point where I physically felt, I can't swallow, you know, I literally can't take any more of this in, whether it was an emotional or psychological metaphor, Mm. you know, all of those have their part, but I also think there was a spiritual strand in that as well, so that it was spiritual pain because I was failing and I should be able to help these people and actually Mm. I can't now. So there's a personal revelation there. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, and and often trauma is described as something that's too much, too fast, or yeah, uh, yeah. too too long, and and that's the kind of sense I'm getting from you, Eustig as you describe yeah. that, like being piled on and piled on and piled on. Yeah, uh, and there's not enough spaces there in that moment to process what's happening. Yeah. like you can't kind of make sense of it because there's just too much of it um and and that for me is is like that that is trauma you know Mm. it's it's too much Mm. Um, and how
0: much do you think sort of clinicians and and medical teams recognize this link between spiritual trauma and the physical self
2: i don't think it's talked about enough joe i i think like we're, we're traditionally in in the west we're very much of like we can separate out our bodily and medical experiences are uh, emotional and psychological tends to be maybe grouped together in say the therapeutic world and in, in looking at support people who've experienced distress of some sort uh, and, and spirituality is like left for maybe religion to, to yeah. handle or um, yeah, it, it feels like the body, In a more holistic sense, and spirituality are are very kind of of opposite ends of a spectrum somewhere, but also very much like left out of what feels like really important parts of people's processes.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, And Mm. I would even suggest that the irony there is, of course, that within some religious structures, they almost seem to be devoid of spirituality. Because these are the rules and you just follow the rules. And if you follow the rules, it's fine. Um, And it's it's the exact opposite. You know, spirituality should be much more nuanced. And uh, for me, uh, ideally chilled, you know, Mm. to give you that time to reflect. Yeah.
0: So, so can you tell us a bit more about Hakumi practice? Because um, Stig and I don't know much about it, and I have yeah. to divulge here that Stig was thinking Hakumi was a sort of cheese before we started. <laughs> you mean <halloumi. laughs> I get that so much. I thought you meant <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but reeling that back in, Hakumi practitioner, how how does how do you frame uh, spiritual trauma, and how do you use that in your practice
2: so i i describe Hakomi as a mindfulness-based somatic practice um so i'm using mindfulness in uh what i'm offering my clients or or people that i'm supporting um and also when we talk about what's going on for them i'm interested in what's happening in their body as well as their emotions and their, their thoughts I'm interested in uh, if they have ideas of spirituality, what that means for them, um, and the the sort of that mind body unity is is a big part of Hakomi as a practice. It's to mm. to see a person's interconnectedness within themselves, and and also the greater interconnectedness of of the universe, um, and how you know it, I guess there's Buddhist and, and Taoist kind of underpinning principles guidance, some of that as well and um, so yeah that principle of unity that we're all interconnected in different ways um, mm. we can't separate ourselves from the the universe around us and they feel like really great principles to then be working with others uh i, I often see discussions of how in therapy people are kind of offered a particular technique or or approach that gives them tools which which is great uh and and sometimes you know for someone who's in a difficult situation it the the situation that they're in can't necessarily be changed very easily yeah. if, you know someone's in in poverty or if, if someone uh yeah whatever their circumstances are some of that can't be changed and so it's about having ways that support someone to make sense make meaning of what's going on for them um and then in relation to the spiritual trauma like I'm doing this research because of my own experience that I've experienced spiritual trauma myself Uh, and so one of the things that has really helped Support me in my recovery because that's the focus of this research: is people's experience of their body in relation to their recovery. And one of the things that has really helped me is this practice of Hakomi. So, not seeing myself as, oh, there's there's my body; these are happening, things are happening in my thoughts. I've got an emotion. It it's all connected. Uh, yeah. We can't just sort of pinpoint one aspect and work on one aspect. it, it all mm-hmm. comes together. And so having space where I'm allowed to kind of be with what is actually happening and mm. that kind of mindfulness of being in the moment and being with what really is there without having to judge it. it is has for me been a big part of my recovery mm. um, having space to explore what's happening in my body because trauma is held in the body. Uh, it feels really vital, um, And so, yeah, I wanted to sort of dig into that in my research. And as I've talked to different people, others have talked about things like the health problems that they've uh, experienced since going through some kind of religious or spiritual trauma uh, that are are difficult to explain the cause. And I guess you could say that generally about health. Sometimes, you know, it is hard to to explain. but I think people make a connection perhaps between spiritual trauma uh, or religious trauma and their, their health concerns that have developed over time.
0: So I think sometimes people make that connection. I think what I notice in again in acute care is you have people are, are sort of recalibrating or reassessing their relationship with their body and uh-huh. their body at times has let them down or their body or they might perceive it that way or their yeah. body has stopped them in its tracks to say well actually no we're not carrying forwards now this is happening mm. and everything and people question their body and yeah um, i see a lot of people reassessing their relationship with their body and what their body yeah. is telling them
2: yeah.
0: yeah um and 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 this whole thing about when you go to hospital you actually stop yeah. you stop in a bed you stop a lot of stimulus that you have at home yeah and that is a time that people go into that thoughtfulness about why something has happened and yeah. how they feel about it um but I, I i you you triggered me thinking as well something i learned this week was the link between um ptsd and fibromyalgia for example mm. you know yeah. that there's a follow on years later to a very non specific physical mm. uh disease or illness which can be linked back to that trauma Mm. of whatever sort it was back in the past. So I think there's a huge amount for us to learn about the link between Mm. um, pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain, whatever, moral pain, whatever it is. And how it then works its way through our bodies in terms of disease. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I witnessed, um, it was quite incredible. We had a an older gentleman um, in our hospice who had horrendous leg pain, no matter mm. what we did. And he'd been in and out of hospital for years. But talking to him, it emerged that he'd been in a, a cycling accident with his brother, which meant that his brother had his leg amputated. Mm. And they'd sort of lost contact. But anyway, as part of our ongoing efforts we managed to track this brother down and hearing his brother was in the hospice he would come and visit and they found forgiveness and reconciliation and then oh my goodness Mm. no more pain at all no you know it was it was all focused perhaps on the guilt the trauma the whatever Mm. what i did to my brother and i don't deserve this leg and yet you know there was nobody would have said he wasn't in pain you know yeah. i mean we everybody had tried treating him for this pain yeah it's just incredible
2: yeah yeah and pain mm. is such a big area i mean I, I suffer with chronic pain myself and so learning to understand what pain is and how how it happens in the body and the connection between stress and the nervous system and and mm. all of that has been like such a journey for me mm. um so yeah it's complex isn't it mm. Yeah, and I guess like the other thing that comes to mind as as you were both talking is is that sort of sense of like part of my spiritual trauma was a context where we were really encouraged to ignore our bodies um, and, and things were used like scriptures from the Bible about the flesh being carnal, about it being sinful to listen to your body. Uh, yeah. um, and so for me, as well as like that traumatic context of, of sort of being in a place where there was spiritual abuse and religious abuse. Yep. Uh, and and then also our cultural context, because in the West, we're encouraged to ignore our bodies as well. You know, we, the curriculum, uh, the national curriculum, the amount of physical activity that, that young people do has much reduced over the years. And, um, it's, the focus is very much on, you know, remembering things. If you can sort of store all this information somehow and then regurgitate it in an exam, mm. that that's some kind of measure of your ability to to function in the world. Um, so education is very focused. It feels on on the mind. Uh, in in a lot of therapies, there's a lot of emphasis, and particularly, you know, certain types of therapy where the, there's a focus on if you can master your thoughts, then everything else should be fine. That will affect your mood. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that that's not part of it, but it's a part of a bigger picture. Yes, it is. For me, Mm. Um, I
0: think also when we were talking to Amajod the other day, he was talking about almost different levels of pain. And for him, he was saying the most painful, uh, for him is spiritual pain he defined that and and he defined that as being i hope i'm I'm putting this right as a, at the distance between him and his god was mm. the spiritual pain or the dissonance between that mm. and then he was talking about you know other pains emotional pain physical pain and all those other pains but he acknowledged that everybody will have a different hierarchy mm. in yep. terms yeah. of that and that you know different pains become unbearable at different times for different reasons mm. yeah. um and i found that quite quite useful as well didn't you Stig in terms of
1: yeah and uh, I think it really ties in with what Jamie was was saying as well you know this diversity of understanding but actually you know I think a lot of religion although there is and as you described the the abuse that's possible but it is about who we are as people you know what is my self-image who am I what is my identity Uh, and the physicality of that you know am, am I You know, I haven't got time to be ill. Uh, Yes, I'm I'm too busy. I'm too important to be ill. Uh, You know, there's all the jokes around that, of course, scheduling a a life-saving appointment, but I can't go in before the end of the month. (laughs) You know, even if I'll be dead by then, I'm sorry. I can't stop what I'm doing. Um, Yeah, but there's a whole range of... uh, physical ways in which we express ourselves and i suppose that mindfulness concept of just focusing on every minute part of your body Mm. uh progressively or just staying with a particular part in 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 the moment is at one extreme of that but we but identity comes back i think putting aside all the religious stuff identity and that perception of identity is at the at the core of a lot of spiritual pain yeah yeah it's huge, and and,
0: it? and the integration of all aspects of yourself yes. like you said Jay, your physical self your emotional self your um your your spiritual self integrated mm-hmm. is the ideal that we're aiming for but yeah. often we're that's that's not that coherent but i just wanted to talk a little bit about mindfulness because you're a mindfulness practitioner I've seen you on uh YouTube you've got a mindfulness exercise which I I did the other day um I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about mindfulness um yeah. as often in the in the chaplaincy community because I mean I've, I know I've had Christian colleagues in the past who wouldn't do mindfulness because they saw yeah. it as something that was uh-huh. um yeah it was sort of yeah. I don't know counter to religion, yeah. but I mean I could you explain for us what you see mindfulness as and how it can help people
2: yeah and I, like I, I don't know that the term is very helpful anymore because mm. we have preconceived ideas about it I should maybe stop using it myself um, like I think there's lots of different types of mindfulness and I think mm. there are some that have a very perhaps uh, spiritual expression so um in Buddhism, mindfulness is used a lot. And, and so for, for some people, I can understand why then they would be concerned or wanting to explore, well, what, what type of mindfulness is this? Is it religious or, or spiritual or part of someone else's belief structure? Um, and it does have its roots in, in Buddhism. So again, I can see why for some people that might feel uncomfortable <laughs> or uh, yeah. a, a conflict. Um, I, when I'm talking about it and how I use it myself, is about bringing people back into their present moment experience. Uh, so there's a, a big emphasis uh, in in Hakomi as a practice and sort of in in the type of mindfulness I use around, you know, what is happening right now and can we stay with that? Um, often, like I, I saw it described a couple of weeks ago of uh, anxiety is fear of the future depression is about things that have happened in the past and mindfulness is a way to to stay in in the present with your current experience that's not to say that those are the two areas don't need attention but it's a way of creating safety in the body for me um where someone can can be with what currently is happening and and start to process some of them things that are are there right now And I think, you know, one of the things that I love about Hakomi is the way in which what we're talking about really is that everything about us, our whole personality, and everything is expressed in this present moment. Uh, So I don't have to be sort of attached to really understanding like someone's whole history, uh, all of their fears. And that's not to say there isn't space to explore those things too. Um, But I guess what it means is that, you know, how someone is in the present moment will be an expression of all of that history. And so there's a trust then that whatever is coming up in the moment will take us where we need to go. Um, yes. if, if we're working in a sort of therapeutic sense, um, or if it's more about like coming alongside someone, it, it will help us ground into the present moment. It will help mm-hmm. us sort of be with what, what's actually there or get to know more of ourselves. Um, because that, for me, is often where people feel like they're, they're in distress is when they're really disconnected from themselves, when, when they're really, you know, just, yeah, not able to be with what is actually there.
1: Mm-hmm. This might be a bit of a difficult question for you to answer, but there's part of uh, the Hakomi practice which, uh, you know, where there's, there's an intention to provide therapy, and in its purest form i would say spiritual pastoral care is just to explore you know there's not necessarily an intention to provide therapy but it may well happen along the way and you know as you were describing it there you know just where where's the overlap what Mm -hmm. how how do you explore how do you monitor what you're doing in any Mm -hmm. given moment i mean clearly if you're upfront doing a Hakomi practice with a patient then you know that's clear but if you start off in spiritual pastoral care you know when when do your alarm bells start flashing
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's it's interesting to think because it used to be called a body psychotherapy and ron kertz who's the guy who developed it like his first book just about hakomi was called hakomi body psychotherapy or something along those lines but as as he went on in it he started calling it assisted self-study which for me is much more about coming alongside someone and and just exploring what what their world is like um so i I think there is like a a balance between like uh letting go of that feeling of needing to get somewhere in hakomi as a practice with someone like uh, i'm not trying to well part of me is not trying to get them somewhere. Uh part of me is is wanting them to have space to explore whatever's alive for them um in in that sort of pastoral context. Uh and also there will be other parts of me that are invested in wanting to relieve suffering because yeah, yeah. that that is such a big part of everyday life, isn't it? Um yeah. people yeah. suffer and part of what causes suffering is those beliefs and habits that are formed perhaps as part of traumatic experience perhaps just as part of an upbringing that was you know had challenging ideas about it um and and yeah getting to know them um our world and how we experience the world getting to know ourselves more does actually bring relief and so you know it, it feels yep. a bit like a hot which comes first the the chicken or the egg yeah
1: yeah no i i i quite agree and i I certainly Mm. wasn't trying to put you on the spot because i get the same situation sometimes when i'm with uh, a christian you know they're looking for forgiveness and i wouldn't normally leap into priestly mode at all you know i try to keep that to one side and we explore why they're looking for forgiveness do they think God can forgive them? Can they forgive themselves? Which is as critical as anything. But every now and again you encounter someone who, for whatever reason, they feel you know so much humility, or they feel what they've done is so horrendous that actually they they can't forgive themselves, therefore God can't forgive them. And then they're looking at me. And in the days that, you know, if I'm wearing a dog collar, if I'm in that context and they know I'm a priest, actually, I have to make that decision. Do I transition out of that moment and say, you know, look, assuming my priestly authority here, which, you know, very combination of words sort of makes shivers run up and down my spine. I don't like that. But I can actually say you are forgiven you know that is part of the christian tradition you couldn't do it with anybody else of course but um and it's 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 amazing because sometimes people need that Mm. that extra little help um Mm. to believe that actually they are they can be loved yeah they can be forgiven
0: but I think I think what Jamie's response there, I thought it was really really helpful, yeah. Jamie. What you said about um, not you're you're not trying to get people to a destination. You're just yeah. there with Absolutely. people in that moment. Yeah. And I think what Absolutely. you've exemplified in this podcast, Jamie, is is ha- what the value is of bringing in people yeah. who come in sideways, who have this counselling background or a practice background, which is different from the norm in chaplaincies Mm -hmm. and the longer we go on just requiring people who have theology degrees to take on these roles the more we're excluding people like Jamie and her expertise coming into teams I would love to have Jamie as a colleague to debrief about people I've seen to talk about I I would be so enriched by her as a colleague and and I think Jamie, you've really helped us open up chaplaincy by this conversation yeah, with you today absolutely. for people to think, oh, actually, we could think about this in a different way. And there are skills mm-hmm. we could bring in. There are conversations we could have
1: yeah. with and I other think, people. I think there's also something, uh, you know, which comes across from Jamie, you know, that we are more than just what people see on the surface, you know, so that actually, you know, sticking within the Anglican priestly tradition, there are Anglican priests who are gay, there are Anglican priests who um, are Reiki masters, there are Anglican priests, um, I don't know what else, um, you know, but there's a whole range of, of, of different things that we can be. And again, it's that kind of reductionist approach that says you must be religious, you must have a higher diploma In theology. I think, you know, life is much broader. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Cicely Saunders said, of course, a good hospice chaplain is someone who has been battered by life. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that is, that is saying that you want someone who can bring more to this situation Mm -hmm. than just Mm -hmm. some kind of knowledge, or as Jimmy was saying, some kind of academic certificate to say, look, this says I know what I'm talking about. I've got a degree. What I
0: want to do just just at the end of our podcast is give Jamie an opportunity because she's recruiting uh, co-produce, what do you call them, co-researchers for her project. So she's looking for people who have an experience of spiritual trauma um, Mm. that they can share with her to be part of her research. So we'll put details of that on our website if people are interested. Do you want to just say anything about what that co-research includes, Jamie?
2: Yeah, so there's two parts to it. The first part is for people to make something that expresses something of their recovery from spiritual trauma. Um, and and that can be anything. There's no special skills required for that. It, it might be something like a, a playlist. It might be something like a poem, a piece of art, a, a movement, a dance. It could be anything. Um, just something that expresses... Uh, an aspect of of their experience and then the second part is uh, an interview and for that people will need to be able to get to liverpool or to chester where i'm doing the interviews so it'll be in person uh, it'll be a confidential one-to-one interview and the invitation would be to to contribute to the research in a more in-depth way and to share some some of their experiences of recovery from spiritual trauma so I have some questions that I have in mind that I'd like to ask, but the, the purpose of the interview and the way I've set it up is for people to really get to to share what is alive for them about their recovery.
0: Mm. Um, yeah. Right. Well, best best of luck with that, Jamie. It sounds yeah. really fascinating. You,
1: can I just ask as well whether you're looking for sort of really deep trauma, as in the sense of people who've perhaps been found themselves in abusive situations? Or just when their world has been turned upside down uh, in their, their understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something much smaller. I mean, I, I remember when the moment when I realized that evolution wasn't a kind of progress of improvement, mm-hmm. it was just purely about survivability in the moment. So there is no meaning and purpose to evolution, you know, it just it just happens. And that was quite a profound shock, because you know, we have this image of the ascent of man. So would something would sort of lesser degrees in a sense of uh, spiritual, well, more the spiritual shaking up rather than the spiritual trauma? Is that uh, viable as well?
2: Yeah, I'd be keen not to put my interpretation of, of spiritual trauma on it. So, uh-huh. like, my position in the research is very sort of, um, like, I'm trained in person-centered uh, therapy. And that kind of Rogerian follow yeah. where, where the person is, is very much what this research is in the methodology is, is kind of use and draw them from so i would want people to individually judge for themselves whether they feel that it's a trauma or not and i i wouldn't for, for me it feels uncomfortable to put traumas in like a a graded you know mm. this is a more a deeper mm. trauma than this because mm. i think it's very individual how someone experiences a,
1: a an
2: event or or something that happens
1: so so this is really about people who have had an experience of spiritual trauma uh however they define it and have made some progress in finding some kind of healing or resolution if not a full recovery
2: yeah i i i mean the question is about recovery so i would want there to be some some aspect of recovery uh that they're they're kind of drawing from um and i think that gives a, a sense of safety perhaps in their resilience around being able to talk about it,
1: uh,
2: that feels feels really important.
1: Um, Great. Well, we've got to have you back. We've got to finish now, but we've got to have you <laughs> back because... Uh, we want to know more about how this is all going. So we want a sure. progress report. <laughs> uh, and you and I share an interest in science as well. So, yeah. you know, we've we mentioned about spiritual pain in science. I don't want us not to have that conversation. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, and I'd be delighted to come back. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you, uh, Jamie.
0: So that's the end of another episode. Thank you everyone for writing in and letting us know how we're getting on. We really appreciate your comments. If you have any comments or if you want us to pass any information on to Jamie, please contact us on openupchap at gmail.com and we'll see you next time.
1: Okay, bye. Bye, -bye. Bye everybody.